Dave, I hope you're ready to take on one of the most important responsibilities in the history of sports. Are you ready? Well, in the words of Aunt May, with great power comes great responsibility. Wow, you had to do that, huh? You had to throw that out. That's, that's painful. Um, but Dave and I have taken on the immense responsibility of trying to fill out our 2021 Hall of Fame ballot for Major League Baseball. And Dave, we're going to do this together. So one, we both have to say the guy's a Hall of Famer in order to vote for him. We can vote for 10, like the voters can. And there are, let me just double check here how many guys on the ballot. There are 30, I think 30 flat. So we'll just run through them. Obviously, we'll discuss some of them more than others. Um, and we can pick up to 10. And we'll probably do up to 10 because we take our voting right very seriously. So no blank ballots here. No, oh, get out of here. Don't even, don't even get me started on blank ballots. Might as well throw your vote away. Um, which I mean, essentially are, but um, that's a different story for a different day if we have time at the end. But uh, we are using ballots uh, taken from the incredible, inimitable, indispensable, not Mr. Tibbs, Ryan Thibodeau on Twitter. He runs the Baseball Hall of Fame tracker. So uh, he keeps track of all these ballots, or at least the ones that are submitted publicly. Um, so, Dave, with that being said, let's go alphabetically here, and we will decide who gets our Hall of Fame votes. Let's start with Bobby Abreu. So, I'm a no on Bobby Abreu. Uh, I don't think he's... I'm, I'm really not convinced he's a Hall of Famer, and with this ballot being as stacked as it is, I, I don't see us throwing a vote his way. Yeah, I'm a no as well. I I don't think he's... I mean, he was a good player, but he wasn't a great player to me, so I'm out. Let's pull up Bobby Abreu's stats just real quick. Just real real quick. Real quick ski. He was, uh, he was a 291 career hitter, which is a little surprising. He only made two all-star teams. He never finished higher than 14th in MVP voting. That's actually very surprising. He was a pretty solid hitter for a while. Had a lot of 40 double seasons. Uh, has never really hit that many home runs. Only 288 career home runs. That's kind of surprising. Uh, yeah, 291 hitter, career 8, 870 OPS. So pretty solid. But again, th those numbers just aren't aren't up to snuff. So Bobby Abreu, not getting our mark. I, I think one of the most surprising things about him that I'm looking at is 400 steals. That is surprising. Yeah, That's a lot of steals. That is That is surprising. Um, I did see a, a comparison between Bobby Abreu's um, top numbers and Tony Gwynn's top numbers, and uh, I'm not going to get triggered like that, so uh, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, let's just put it this way. When you think of greatest hitters of the expansion era, uh, Tony Gwynn comes to mind. Bobby Abreu does not. So, moving on, Dave. Barry Bonds uh, absolutely should get a check mark. He, I'm, I'm not even sure it's worth the discussion because no. he's so far in no way worth, worthy of a Hall of Fame. It's not even, I'm not even going to pull his numbers up. Like, I, what do I need to say? What do I need to say about Barry Bonds? Like, yes. There's no stat you can give that would make him not look like a Hall of Famer. A lot, his stats are so good that they sound made up. The guy walked 232 times in a season. Yeah, he was walked with the bases loaded. Like... He's the most feared hitter of all time. I, it, I don't know what, there's nothing else you can say. 
Barbary Bonds. I'm going to keep track of our votes here. Uh, but come on. I mean, I think he's getting a significant bump this year, I think, because people are realizing it's his last year on the ballot. Like, it's now or never. You really should vote for him because he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure I'm not sure if I agree with our friend of the podcast, Sean Clayton, that he's the best baseball player of all time. He's up there. I'm more of a Willie Mays guy, personally. But he's certainly in the argument, Barry Bonds. So, uh, like you said, is it even worth discussing? Like, speaking of is it even worth discussing, Dave? Never mind. <laughs> I thought he was right after Roger. I thought he was right after Barry Bonds. <laughs> uh, Mark Burley. <laughs> okay, let's not be mean. All right, Mark Burley threw a perfect game. I mean... I'm not even sure it's worth discussion. He's clearly in. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I will say this for Mark Burley: Ex- he came except for his last year with Toronto, where he had 198 and two thirds innings pitched. He pitched at least 200 innings, 15 straight years. Which there's something to be said for that, especially in this day and age where guys don't really do that. Um, so that's very impressive. Guy was a workhorse. He worked very quickly. Um, he was a five-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, never finished higher than fifth in the Cy Young race, and that was the only one year where he did that. He was a World Series champ. Um, 214 wins, that's pretty impressive. Career ERA plus of 117, that's that's pretty solid. His FIP is not very good. His ERA is 381. I think a really, really solid pitcher, but not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, he was... He's the prototypical, like, number three starter where you feel really good with him as your number three. But if he's above that, you start to really start to scratch your head and wonder, you know, can we win with this guy as our lead guy? And, I mean, they did it once with the White Sox, but you could argue that they really had just a bunch of numbers. They had really good depth but no ace. Yeah. And the same with their lineup. They had really good hitters but no over-the-top guy. I'll tell you Um, what, I'm, I'm definitely higher on Mark Burley than you are. Uh, I think there was. I think there were a few years where he was a legitimate ace, but I don't know about that. But like I, like I, I mean, I know it's fluky for some guys, but his perfect game wasn't fluky. He was a really good pitcher for a while. He wasn't a Philip Umber. Let's put it that way. This has nothing to do with uh, Hall of Fame, but he was one of the most enjoyable pitchers to watch. Yeah, because he worked fast. <laughs> and but he threw strikes and yes. like he he worked hard. He didn't just try to like dot the corners the whole time and walk seven guys. Like he actually threw strikes. It was. It was great. Mark Burley was a reliable 14-game winner every year, and that's good, but he also lost, like, 10 games every year, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, his career war is 60. That's pretty solid. I should probably pull up the uh, Hall of Fame tracker as well, the Jaws meter that uh, Jay Jaffe. Oh, I so have it right here. I'm going to pull it up, too, because I like to have it in front of me. Nope, that's Jaw. No, I don't want the electrical meter Jaws. That's not what I want. Uh, baseball? 47.4. Okay, that's not great. <laughs> Below uh, Bobby Abreu. That's interesting. Oh my God, where is he on this list? Uh, oh yeah, he's not great. His, so his jaws, yeah. He's uh, he's in front of some Hall of Famers, but these are more old school guys. Cole Hamels has a better career uh, jaws than he does. And I think Cole Hamels has a much more interesting Hall of Fame case. DC Sabathia scores much lower than I thought it was. Uh, but I still think he'll be a Hall of Famer. But that's a discussion for uh, a few years from now. Uh, long and short of it, Dave, Mark Burley, not getting the check mark from us. I'll tell you who is, though. And this is another guy in the Bonds camp of do we even need to explain why? And that is Roger Clemens. 
Um, whoa, whoa, we're we gonna skip the AJ Burnett. Wait, is he on the ballot? No, he's not. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll list some, I'll list some guys that we don't really need to talk about. Well, well, no, 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 no. we're gonna go, we're gonna make our way through. Come on, I don't see AJ Burnett on this ballot. I think you're looking, looking at the, you're looking at the wrong ballot. He was on last year's ballot. Oh, I'm looking at last year's ballot. Yeah, you're looking at 2021. This is 2022. See, I was testing you. You were right. You I, I know what I'm looking at. Mark AJ Burnett ain't anywhere near it. Um, you passed. Thank you, uh, Roger Clemens. Do, do we like? Do we even need to say anything about Roger Clemens? Roger Clemens has the third highest jaws of anybody in baseball history. The two names ahead of him are Walter Johnson and Cy Young. Spoiler: Both in the Hall of Fame. Dave, do you know the next highest? Actually, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. Spoiler alert. Um, there's there's no excuse for Roger Clemens not to be in the Hall of Fame. Come on. What what are we doing here? Seven Cy Youngs. He won one in the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. He won the MVP in 1986. Like, not the Hall of Fame if Roger Clemens isn't in it. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. I mean, him and Bonds both have, this is their, both their 10th years on the ballot. Like, that's, it's just crazy. That's it, that's all. They're two of the greatest players of all time, like, I don't know why we get all these voters feel like they can like play arbiter and like gatekeeper of all right, like this person was great, but we may he might have taken steroids, so like let's not put him in the Hall of Fame. Like you can't just differentiate like and turn a blind eye to some people and let other people in. It just doesn't really make any sense. And on top of that, like Clemens also had in a in an era where he like he pitched in some of the some of the days where it wasn't as easy to strike guys out, and he had two twenty strikeout games. Yeah, Roger Clemens. I mean, just a quick rundown of the resume, Dave. MVP, seven time Cy Young winner, eleven time All Star, seven time ERA title, two time World Series champion. By the way, uh, a two time pitching triple crown champ. Uh, I believe the last guy to win it back to back. Also, All Star MVP, uh, and a twenty game winner four time, five times in his career. Uh, first one he was twenty three and he won the MVP. Then he was thirty eight with the Yankees and he won. Uh, uh, he went won twenty games with them. But I mean, the guy had a sub two ERA in nineteen ninety. Like he was, just there's a lot of let's put it this way, a lot of bold ink on his uh, baseball reference page, which you know what I'm talking about when I say that. A lot of leaderboard stuff there. So yeah, Roger Clemens gets our vote. That's two, Dave. We got to keep track. And we're going to start running out of votes because we got to vote for Carl Crawford, who is next. <laughs> look. What an a-hole. Look. There's a lot of people who argue you have to put the best player in a franchise's history in the Hall of Fame. No, you don't. That's my argument. You don't. Because you look at the Rays, and I think the two consensus best players in the history of that organization, only one of them has an outside chance at the Hall of Fame, and that's Longoria. He might. I don't think he will, but he has an outside shot. Carl Crawford belongs nowhere near the Hall of Fame unless he's driving by it on the way to, like, a vacation house or something. But, come on. No. you can't, No one's seriously thinking. I don't even know if he's gotten a vote yet this year. I have to look at the Hall of Fame tracker, but I don't know if he's even gotten a vote yet this year. He doesn't deserve any. And this isn't just the salty Boston fans in us. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's barely a Hall of Very Good. <laughs> I don't even think he's there. 
Yeah, I mean, he only made four all-star teams. He didn't make one after age 28, which is supposedly a prime. He hit, like, he didn't hit above, he only hit above 300 once. He Actually, sorry, he didn't hit above 300 after age 28. So, like, That's I good. don't even know. When you're in your prime. What, what is, yeah, what does he bring to the table? He didn't hit home runs. He had one 30-double season. He had one season with more than five triples after age 28. He just wasn't that good of a player. And it's okay that like he had a six year career, six year stretch with the Rays where he was very good and he made four All Star teams and he carried the team a lot and he helped. He hit at the top of the order and stole fifty bases. That's great. Like he's still a very good player. He made his money. Good for him. He played great baseball for six years. But that's a, it's not the Hall of Good or Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame, and he's not anywhere near that. He has one top ten MVP finish. Um. Obviously, never won one. Never, never, never finished top five. Defensive WAR is one point five. That's not really that good. I mean, it's really not that good. Um, his, I'll it just, I'll give you this one. I mean, obviously, all these stats are arbitrary. It's at to points, but here's one stat that I think we can just end on the Carl Crawford conversation. His Jaws score is lower than Brett Gardner. That's all you need to know. How about how about the fact that from eleven to sixteen, that's twenty nine to thirty four. His OPS average was seven seventeen. Yeah, I mean he was never a slugger, and that OPS, I guarantee you, a lot of it comes from the triples that he hit because he was very good at that. But um, yeah, he it's was not even being eight hundreds. No. That means you're really weighing yourself down by not getting on base. No, he was a stolen base machine for like three years, and that was really it. Anyway, not getting our vote. Next up. We have Prince Fielder, who is also on his uh, first year on the ballot. Prince Fielder, his uh, career resume, six-time All-Star, two-time home run derby champion, Dave, don't forget that, three-time Silver Slugger, and was an All-Star MVP. He was only in the league for a, a dozen years. He had one, two, three top five MVP finishes, and he had a 50 home run season. He played all 162 games four times, if that means anything to you. A career 283 hitter, 887 OPS. Um, really good hitter for a few years in baseball, but not a Hall of Famer. He had a really good trajectory at the start of his career, and then he just kind of fell off. And yeah, that's really, really all there is to say about Prince Fielder. Not, not getting our, not getting our check mark. Yeah, he had the tough end of the career with the neck surgery. I think it was. Uh, that ended their career a little bit early. But realistically, it was also the skill declining that yeah. that helped that along. Yep. That's really all there is to say about it. It's He got injuries and much, I mean, not much like his father, but his father was a really good slugger who got, you know, who came close to winning MVP a few times and just never really panned out. And I don't believe Cecil Fielder's in the Hall of Fame either, so they can uh, commiserate. Uh, Dave, next up. This is interesting. This might be the first one we disagree on. I'm not sure, though, because I have Todd Helton in the Hall of Fame. But do you? Um, it's a good question. I mean, the question that I think he'll have to face is how much do voters hold Coors Field against him? Just from the standpoint that obviously the numbers can be a little bit inflated at the home ballpark. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as what his road and home splits were. Uh, but for me, for me, I would lean yes to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Because yeah. I think he had uh, five straight top 20 MVP finishes, won uh, four straight silver sluggers, 
led the league in batting 372 in 2000. He had over 300 for how many seasons in a row is this? Like 12? <laughs> yeah, it's um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 and 11 of 12 seasons. Yeah, and then his OPS plus was above 120 for, or, sorry, above 150, uh, above 160, like. Four out of five years. Four he out had, of five years. He had five straight so, years of an OPS over 1,000. That's not. He had two years total bases over four hundred. I mean, this guy was. Yeah, he's one of the, one was, one of those really good. one of those last four guys in two thousand one to have four hundred total bases. Um, I I put him in the Hall of Fame, and you know he, if he's not the best player in Rockies history, the guy ahead of him is in the Hall of Fame, and that's Larry Walker. So, I think cores or not, Todd Helton is a phenomenal hitter and a really good player, really good first baseman. And here's all you need to know. His jaw score, 54.2. The average jaws of the 22 Hall of Famers at first base, 54.2. <laughs> so he's right on the line as far as Hall of Famers go. He's ahead of Eddie Murray, Hank Greenberg, Harmon Killebrew, Joe Torre as far as... Or, well, Joe Torre was kind of a third baseman too. But Hank Green, a lot of the... Eddie Murray is a, is a good example. He was a first baseman his whole career pretty much. And he's on par with him. So I think it's not a... You know, he definitely didn't deserve to be in on the, the first ballot, whatever that means to anybody. But I think he's a Hall of Famer, so I'm willing to give my vote to him. The question is, too, like, how much do people hold the last five or six years against him? Right. Because that's what people will remember, and he was not great the last five or six years. No. Well, the Rockies um, haven't been great in the past 30 years, except for that one season. That's true. So. That's true, but um, he could... The offensive numbers aren't super kind to him the last five or six years. But again, like in their existence, yeah, I don't think that tears down what he did in the first, you know, twelve years of his career when he had seven out of nine seasons with forty or more doubles, and the two seasons he didn't, he had thirty nine. So like, I don't think, I don't think it tears down what he did as a hitter, uh, like long term. And to be honest, I think he compares rather favorably to to Larry Walker overall. I think so too. So. So Except for the the if whole, you're let Larry yeah. Walker in, it's it, you got to let Todd Helton in. The only difference is Larry Walker was a better defensive player in the outfield, and he had won an MVP and all that stuff. So, and he played yeah. elsewhere from cores like Montreal and St. Louis, and he played well there too. So people were willing to forgive it, I guess. Uh, Dave, we drop 130 spots to number 145 here on the Jaws list. Ryan Howard, who is on his first year and yes. most likely his last year on the ballot. I almost just say Ryan Howard's yeah. in the Prince Fielder discussion. I mean, he won an MVP, so I can't really say the same discussion. But Ryan Howard's another guy who had a really hot start to his career, rookie of the year, MVP, four straight top five MVP finishes, including a win, and just injuries after that. After he tore his Achilles, he just was not the same player. Yeah, six straight top ten MVP finishes yep. after that too. So, um, you know, four straight forty-five plus home run seasons six straight seasons of 30 or more it was you know it was a really hot start like you said and then just kind of collapsed down the stretch with the achilles injury the increased strikeouts the low contact rate the bad defense it kind of just all took a toll on him especially playing in the national league it's tough to to spot a defense the kind of range that he has at first even even at first base uh so you know if, if you're looking at his career and you think you know, after 2010, when he has 30 home run, 31 home runs, and is a top 10 finish in the MVP again, you're thinking, 
all right, this guy needs to do it for probably five more years and he's a Hall of Famer. And he did it for one. So right. I think he just comes up a few four or five years short. Yeah. I uh yeah, it's it's really unfortunate because he was trending that way the first half decade of his or half dozen years of his career, and then it's just unfortunate how it panned out. Um moving on, Dave, we have Tim Hudson. So before we move on, spoiler quickly from Tim Hudson, uh, I tweeted out, you know, um, who was this that posted their ballot today? It was Sean Foreman, who is the president of Sports Reference. Thank you very much for your incredible site that I use like every single day. I'm sure Dave does too. Um, yes. So I tweeted out that there were, his ballot was very, very solid, um, but I disagreed with voting for Tim Hudson, which he did. And then Adam Dorosky, uh, who is the head of user experience at Sports Reference, replied to me with a stat that I truly cannot believe. Uh, but thank you, Adam, for replying. This is really cool. Uh, 220 wins, a 120 ERA plus, and not in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, Justin Verlander, Tim Hudson, and Will White, who pitched before the modern era. Um, that is remarkable. I did not know that. That being said, uh, Tim Hudson was a four-time All-Star. He finished second in the Cy Young voting in 2000, which was good. He finished in the top six, three out of those first, three out of the first five years of his career. But there was just a gap here where he was a good pitcher, but just not an elite pitcher. And I, I'm not really sold on his Hall of Fame candidacy. Yeah, I mean. Certainly the last three years of his career weren't great. And like you said, he, he had a hot start, certainly, um, with his best year probably in, I guess, 2003, I would say maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's kind of debatable depending on how you feel about wins, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think there's certainly an argument for both sides of this because it's it's a close case and that stat is ridiculous yeah it's insane. the one thing that i always was i always thought was kind of amazing with hudson and looking at the numbers it kind of bears it out he never really gave up any home runs which is kind of incredible mm. for a pitcher that pitched as long as he did but certainly uh gave up a lot of hits over his time as a as a sinker ball pitcher but i would kind of lean towards the no yeah um 222 wins though I don't know how much voters are going to carry that with them. 200 wins is a lot now. And I think even, though wins, yeah. even though wins aren't a pitching stat, they're just a team stat, Right. Um, people still care about them. And I would say, I did not know he was on the 2014 championship. Uh, actually, I did know that, that he was on the, the Giants World Series team in 2014. That's still wild to me. Um, but he only lost more than 10 games four times in his career. And he pitched 17 years. So that's that's very impressive. Um it's a very compelling argument. I just, I can't, I can't vote Tim Hudson. Um, I just can't. I mean, I know you agree with me, so. Uh, yeah, Tim Hudson, not this year. Torrey Hunter, I mean, Dave. What? I mean, he also started his year, I mean, his career with, I mean, how many is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten straight years of double-digit wins yeah, and 13 of 14. So, like, he was, he was a winning pitcher, but, again, I, like, I'm with you. I think... He's probably almost there, but he's mm. just not quite there. Dave, let me ask you a question. How much do you value defense? Um, 
as much as I didn't think that Ryan Hallett had a slam dunk case. So how do you feel about Tory Hunter's Hall of Fame case? Um, not great. Yeah, I don't love it. He was a gold glover, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight years from 2000 to 2009. The entire 2000s, he was a gold glover. That that being said, um, he never he hit better than 300 twice in his career. I know people hate batting average, so I'll try to stay away from that. Uh, he was a decent OPS, 793. Like you said, if you're under 800, then that's usually the the, the bellwether there. Um, never had more than I mean, he had 184 hits in 2013. He's a five-time All Star. Again, he's another. He's a Hall of really good player in my opinion. Yeah, just not quite Hall of Fame level. He's a Hall of... He was a very good player in his career. I just don't think of him as the all... I mean, it's tough, tough, tough sledding, kids. Center field's a pretty well-known, pretty, pretty high-profile position. Um, a lot of the all-time greats played center field, so it's very tough. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, Tory Hunter, okay. Yeah, I think- Tory Hunter is on par with Ellis Burks in the Jaws score. Yeah, he only had, I mean, <laughs> he only had one top 10 MVP finish. Yeah. He had one top he 10 MVP had, finish. He only had more than 30 homers once. He only had more than 40 doubles once. Like, unless you really, and he, he only had over 300 twice, which came at the back end of his career. So, uh, you know, I don't, yeah. His OBP was never super high. His OBP plus was or OPS plus was never super high. It just, it's just like kind of a mediocre case to me. Yeah. Like if you really value Gold Gloves, which to me I I don't really value Gold Gloves that much, just because I think it's a reputation award at this point. Right. right. So, I mean, so, we, yeah, it's fun to talk. So it's, it's fun to yeah. talk about, but it's not exactly. Uh, it, it's not the nail and you know really well really nailed that case for me. Uh, yeah. I, to me, I think Tim Hudson's a lot closer than Tory Hunter's. I, I would, I would. That's a hot take, but I think I agree with it actually. Um, so next up is Andrew Jones, Dave. Speaking of how much do you value defense, um, Andrew Jones played seventeen years in the in the major leagues. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, thirty home run seasons. He is a ten-time Gold Glover, a five-time All Star, a Silver Slugger winner. Um, also a two-time minor league player of the year, which is a pretty cool stat, if I'm not, if I'm not, uh, if I do say so myself. Andrew Jones is right on par with the average Hall of Fame score of 58.2 for Jaws. He's a 54.6, right there with Carlos Beltran, who I believe next year is his first year on the ballot. Um... But he's on par with Richie Ashburn, Andre Dawson, Billy Hamilton, the really long ago Billy Hamilton, uh, Larry Doby, Duke Snyder, like Hall of Famers. So he gets my vote. I'm not sure about you. Um, I mean, Andrew Jones is one of the weird cases to me. You can say <laughs> no. Know. You can say no. It's fine. No, I know. I, I personally, I'm, I don't know. It's like 50-50 for me. I I would say you want to take, mean, it, down, you want to take, take really, it down to a coin flip. It really is. It's down to like he's the closest case that we've discussed so far, and yeah. I thought Hudson was pretty close too. But yeah, 
I would probably lean no. I just think All right, that's fine. We all include overall is his like there's nothing really that stands out to me. Two top ten finishes for MVP. I mean, a bunch of gold gloves. He was really good defensively. That's true. That we we like, kind we kind of just test, yeah we kind of had that whole Tory Hunter discussion. <laughs> yeah, like he was really good defensively. Like I wouldn't put someone in based on that because right. to me, there's nothing really that like lays it out that you need to be this good defensively or what the bar is for that. But um, I don't know. To me, it's just not really enough of elite production and like consistent consistency in any specific field like rbis even like the old-fashioned stats rbis doubles homers homers for a center fielder were pretty high for a while right um low average not surprising with power hitters but uh i don't know i i think to me not quite not quite there right uh so we won't give him the vote that's fine uh i don't know if we'll disagree on this one next up is jeff kent he's gotten a few votes this year from what i've seen um he is an MVP. He won an MVP in 2000. One of the better power-hitting second basemen of his generation, which, again, that really doesn't say a whole lot um, because, you know, second baseman is exactly not, not really a power position. Really took him a while to come on, though. He debuted in 92. In 97, he finished eighth in MVP voting. Then he won in 2000 at 32 years old. Uh, had a solid back end of his career, five-time All-Star. But if you look at the Jaws numbers, he's on par with... Ian Kinsler and Dustin Pedroia, both of whom, if I'm being consistent, I don't think are Hall of Famers. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't think either of those guys are Hall of Famers. Um, I mean, I know Jeff Kent is looked at as like one of the better hitters for second baseman in in history, but um, like you said, it's really crazy looking at his page and seeing how slow of a starter he was. Yeah, like his best year didn't come. His first All Star year didn't come until age 29. Like. It's just insane to me, and his numbers really suggest that, like, he was really mediocre to, to solid his first eight years or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, with, obviously, with the Giants took off, they I don't know if they switched his swing or something. Something happened that had him take off, but... I'm sure his rivalry with Barry Bonds helped. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, like, I don't see this as, like, a really great... Hall of Fame case either, even mm-hmm. though I know he's one of the best second baseman hitters all time. He won MVP in 2000. Right. Um, but Which, know, to you, me, could, I, you could just as easily argue that should have been Bonds' eighth MVP. Yeah, it should have been Bonds to me, but... It was. Uh, it's, it really is the Derrick Rose of the MLB. Like, that is what that award is. Like, a lot of people are like, really shouldn't have gone to him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's surprising though how much consistency Jeff Kent had in like the last eight years of his career. Yeah, I would say. I mean, obviously, his very, very last year was not great. But well, how many people do have a great last year? Exactly. Basically, a high 280s to low 300s hitter for the last eight years with 25-plus home runs, 30-plus doubles, and 90-plus RBIs. I mean, that's for second base, that's unheard of for that kind of production. All right, Dave, so we're nose on Jeff Kent. First year on the ballot for Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum had two Cy Young awards before he turned 26 years old, but... To me, this is a very simple case of just wasn't dominant enough for long enough. That's it. I mean, he was well on his way yeah. the first five years of his career. If he had done that five more years, even only ten years, he would definitely would have been in. But Could have been the Luke Keekley case, yeah. Yeah, to just not even, like, the back half of his career was so miserable. Yeah. I just don't see how you could even put him in. Really tough. Yeah, uh, that's both no's for us. 
maybe one of the most curious MVP award winners of all time, Dave, Justin Morneau. What a career he had. Was an MVP, won a batting title, four-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. Um, maybe like the most unremarkable career for an MVP of the last like 50 years. He's got to be up. Yeah. I mean, aside from the MVP year, it's pretty bland. Honestly. Yeah, he was second in MVP voting in 2000, 2008. Justin Morneau won the MVP but was not an all-star, which is very curious. Must have come on really, really strong in that second half. Um, uh, they reversed Matt Barnes-itis. Uh, four, four straight all-star appearances in Minnesota. Won a really random batting title in Colorado, which was very strange. It was like a Yuli Gurriel situation. He had 319. Wasn't even that impressive. Um, his OPS plus was 187 in 2010. That's really good. Um, better than average a lot of years, but I don't know. He just most certainly does not scream Hall of Famer to me. He doesn't even scream Hall of Good. No, he doesn't. Again, one of the most curious MVP winners of the past like 50 years. Yeah. I mean like great year, his MVP year. No, for sure. Fantastic. Um, but it's just like, you look at the rest of his career and there's a lot of like two forty, two seventies. 220s, 250s for for average, a lot of OPSs of less than 800 for like the last eight years, yeah. basically. Um, just OPS plus basically hovering around 100 with the exception of like the 187, the 140. It's just not really very good. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll pass on him. A more interesting case to me would be that of Joe Nathan. So Joe Nathan in his career... He had two top five Cy Young Award finishes, which is remarkable to me. Um, He racked up 377 career saves, which is about 50 short of uh, Billy Wagner, who is somebody he's compared to a lot, and his jaws is very similar uh, to Billy Wagner's. In fact, it's a little bit better. Um, But his R jaws is very similar as well. Reliever jaws, it's about half a point off i don't know dave i think i'm almost compelled to vote for joe nathan just to keep him on the ballot i don't know about you he's got a really weird case he does it's a very strange Uh, case it's just like it's really really weird because part of me looks at it and you wonder how he even did what he did like he's not overpowering his numbers are like good but not great for like his whole career and he had 377 saves but never led the league yeah he never led the league he had a lot of like years where he pitched 65 plus innings but he only struck out like at most 95 guys which is really really strange for a closer that had that many saves yeah and the other thing too was in an era where like closers were enormously important like it's not like now where you have like basically anyone (laughs) can close a game yeah like, you had guys like Rivera and Nathan and Hoffman and Papelbon and Francisco Rodriguez. Like, each guy had, like, an elite closer, and you locked him up for five years. This guy changed teams like socks. <laughs> yep. Played for five teams. Played, I mean, Minnesota is what he's most notable for. Yeah. Um, played for San Francisco for a few years. He took – he was out of baseball for two years, 2001 and 2010. He was just out of baseball, maybe injured. I can't remember. Do you remember what it was? I think it was probably I think 2010 he had Tommy John. Yeah, so he was out. I mean, he usually says does not did not play Tommy John, but or did not play injury, but missed two years. Um, 
he played for Texas for a couple of years, Detroit for a couple of years. I remember that because he was playing against us or against the Red Sox. Pitch for the I do not remember him pitching for the Cubs. I guess he might have gotten a World Series ring actually. Like, it doesn't say he did, but <laughs> he might have um, for being there. Three games, yeah. Six time All Star, which for again for a closer that's pretty impressive. Um, another bit of a bl- another little bit of a late bloomer. Twenty nine was his first All Star selection. Uh, he was fourth in the MVP voting that year, 44 saves, a uh, 1.62 ERA. That's very impressive. Um, I'm willing to give him a vote just to keep him on the ballot, honestly. Um, I'm willing to kick the can down the road, yeah. Because, um, spoiler, I'm thinking of voting for Billy Wagner, too. So I think if you vote for one, you might have to vote for both of them. Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's just, it's hard to differentiate the value of closers to relievers just because of the heroin now. And I think... yeah multi-inning relievers are more valuable than closers. So right. uh, it certainly is a question for another day, but I, I'm all right with kicking the can down the road and giving them the vote. We'll make this one quick. Big old fat check bar next to David Ortiz. Not <laughs> yeah. even up for debate. He's the best designated hitter of all time. Not even up for debate. There's re- I, mean, I mean, it's really him or Edgar, and Edgar's in the Hall of Fame. So. And, I mean, the stages of his career, like – when you go four or five straight years with 35-plus home runs, and then you dip a little bit, and then you finish with four straight 30-home run years and right. basically have your four best seasons hitting-wise. Yeah. Like, if, it's just if not, it's pretty crazy. If not all, sorry, if not all-time, the most clutch postseason hitter of his generation. Yeah, and, like, I think we can't always assume that postseason factors in, but there's certain guys it does, like Reggie Jackson factored in. Right. David Ortiz it has factor in, right. you know. It's certain people, it pushes you over. And I think being a DH, obviously, more things have to go your way just because there's no there's no 20% fielding or whatever you value fielding at. Right. And, like, that postseason chunk can take that spot. And you look at it, basically from 03 to 16, he's the number three hitter in a lineup that was, with regularity, number one in offense in the in the majors. So Yeah, I think you could argue I, David Ortiz is the best hitter of all time not to win an MVP. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you look at it, one year his OBP was 445. It's like, that's... That's, that's like... That's unheard of. The only person of. that approached those numbers were Bonds in the last 30 years because of the walks. Yeah, I mean, his 2013 postseason alone should have a section in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, and... And his last season, age 40, yeah. he led the league in slugging and OPS. Yeah. He was a B. And like we said about last seasons, they're not always memorable. His was. It's unfortunate the Red Sox couldn't return the favor. But. I mean, think, I mean, think about all the guys we just talked about Todd, Todd Helton, Kyle Crawford, you know, Tim Hudson, Tim Lincecum. Like, none of, no matter what age they are, your last season usually sucks. All right. Let's, let's motor through these next four because I'm sure they're, uh, spoiler, not going to get much love. Papelbon, I don't think so. That's a no for me. Papelbon is strikingly close to Joe Nathan and the reliever jaws and all that, but I, I just, I don't really think he was on par with those other guys. I haven't, I've seen Joe Nathan get some votes. I have not seen Papelbon get much love. And again, that might be a writer's thing, but that's all I got on him. He just didn't do it long enough consistently. Yeah, that's true. He had a really good start. Um, like Tim Lincecum, but just couldn't follow up on it. Uh, speaking of Red Sox legends, Jake Peavy. Um, no, not a Hall of Famer. Talk about unremarkable stats. <laughs> and yet he won. He won 
was it multiple Cy Youngs? Or was, he was won one, right? It was 2007. I think he won one Cy Young. That was his only top 10 Cy Young appearance. Hey, but he won. No, he did. But yeah. you look at it, and like after the first right. you know, seven years of his career, he was basically a mid-fours ERA pitcher. Hey, you want to talk about a guy who went to several different teams? Jake Peavy got around. He did. He did. I mean, he was, he was a good pitcher, but he's not a Hall of Famer. All right, here's one that might require more than 10 seconds of discussion. Andy Pettit. If you ask a friend of the podcast, Sean Clayton, he's a Hall of Famer. I disagree. <laughs> uh, I don't think Andy Pettit's a Hall of Famer. He's, he's uh, you know what he is? He's the Hall of Good. He is, just like his buddy Mike Messina, who is in the Hall of Fame, uh, he is definitely the Hall of Very Good. Uh, let's see what his... See what his Jaws case is. Not great. <laughs> uh, he is on par with, I mean, Whitey Ford. You can't actually know who's on par with Mark Burley. <laughs> and we did not give much Mark Mark Burley much love. Now Andy Pettit's difference, obviously, is he was in the postseason a lot and he pitched very well in the postseason. But again, the difference between Andy Pettit and a guy we're going to talk about in a few minutes. The other guy was really good in the regular season more years than Andy Pettit was. So, I'm a no on Pettit. So, sorry. Yeah, I'm an I'm a no on Pettit as well. I there's just nothing really that stands out about his career at all. Um, like his ERA is consistently there's one year in the twos really, and most of it's in the fours. And right. the FIP, even when you go over there, is still high threes, low fours. The innings is obviously what kind of gives you pause because he's a consistent 200 inning guy. Right. But we don't give out Hall of Fame. Votes, <clears throat> votes just because he's 200 plus innings like that doesn't get you anywhere three-time all-star five-time world series champion sure yeah that's great um he led the league in starts three times he never led the league in really anything he was just a good pitcher hall of very good as you said yeah like how many how many world series titles did miguel cairo win <laughs> yeah for real he's not in the hall of fame scott scott roach is in the hall of fame is he <laughs> yeah like uh, it's just it's, you know, World Series aren't the be-all, end-all. Okay, and this year's, who did they pay to get on the ballot? A.J. Przezinski? What? Jeez. What? To quote Tim Robinson, what? A.J., uh... A.J. Przezinski, two-time All-Star, one-time Silver Slugger, zero-time Hall of Famer. Right... In regular kind of back end for defensive metrics and catcher. I have, I have, I have, I don't want to waste any more time on him, honestly. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not voting for him, right? <laughs> no. All right, let's get some more interesting people like Manny Ramirez. Um, this one is maybe the most interesting name on the whole list. I think I agree with that. We still have five votes we can give one, two, three, four, five. And you can make a case for almost everybody in this column. <laughs> So I, we're in trouble. I kind of lean yes on Manny. I think I lean. I think I lean yes on Manny too. There's just like so many eye popping numbers here, and maybe it's because we saw him play, so we know how capable he was. But like, there's there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight top ten MVP finishes. His career OPS is almost a thousand. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. His OPS plus from when he signed the contract in Boston to his second to last year, because his last year he was kind of all over the place. Uh, his OPS plus was 157 average. 
that that is that's literally a career where you're fifty percent better than the average hitter. That's strikingly good. And look at all the the bolded numbers. I mean, slugging led the league in slugging three times. Led the league in OBPs three times. Career, he's basically a three, four, you know, three twenty hitter aside from like the last four or five years where he hit like two ninety. He but is a member of the five hundred double, five hundred home run club. Led the league in OPS three times. Yep. I mean, this guy intentionally walked, led the league in twice in that, once in homers. I mean, <laughs> I think this guy's in, Dave, if, Dave, if I'm being not, honest. Not counting his 2011 five games with the Rays and his tw- his 21-year-old 22 games with the Cleveland Gar- uh, Guardians, whatever you want to call them now, back, I mean, Cleveland, whatever, uh, in 1993. His career low OPS was 870. Career low. OPS. That's ridiculous. That's, that's remarkable. Like you can get on him obviously for his <clears throat> use issues, but there's no denying that he was a transcendent hitter. And I maybe it has the best and this doesn't matter much for voting standards, but he has the best swing of any right handed hitter I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a better swing with more fluidity and ability to make contact than this guy. And he also made the greatest play in MLB history by diving for a cutoff throw. Let's not forget. Uh, Does so, that include peeing behind the monster? Right, that's also true. Uh, Manny gets our vote. Next up, I think another vote, Dave, would be Alex Rodriguez. I mean, he's certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, she should. He, this is his first year, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. He should be. And, and again, we are both diehard Red Sox fans. Uh, but there is no denying that... Alex Rodriguez's career, even before he was accused of PEDs, was near Hall of Fame worthy. Like, the guy was a freak for three different franchises. He is the closest anyone has come to, to Roger Maris's 60 home runs in the American League. He hit 57, and I think it was 2002. It was the closest anyone's come ever since. Like, you have to be fooling yourself. Not, and I'm a Red Sox. We're both diehard Red Sox fans. But let's be real here, man. A Rod is legit. I mean, he had MV- he got MVP votes in fourteen of fifteen years in a row. Yeah. Like to put that in perspective, and he won three of them. Three-time MVP, fourteen-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, ten-time Silver Slugger, even won a batting title, which is a little surprising. But that was also when he was twenty years old. Um, but I mean, you look. Yeah. If if people like that are listening to this, and hopefully you do, when we say keep saying the bullet numbers. You look at his stats, there's bolder numbers all over the place. A lot of them. There's a lot of them. In all different categories. Yeah. There's total bases, OPS+, plus, OPS, slugging, batting average, homers, doubles, RBIs, hits, runs. It's just... Oh, but come on, Dave. His triples were off. <laughs> he also was yeah, one, of, I mean... one of a handful of guys to have a 40-40 season. He did that in 1998 with the Mariners. Like, that's what I'm saying. He did that in 1998 with the Mariners. Then with the Rangers, he had the 57 home run season where he came... The closest anyone's come to Maris is 60 uh, in the American League since it happened in 1961. Um, it was, I'm sorry, um, Maris is 61 home runs, right? 61, yeah. Thank you. 61 in 61, right? I believe so, I just want to make sure I'm, I have my, my, so the closest anyone's come to 60 in the American League since Roger Maris did in 61, which was over 50 years from that point. Oh, and then he goes to the, the Yankees and wins two more MVPs and makes a handful of other all-star teams 
in its 54 home runs in 2007. Wins the MVP. Um, yeah. From 1996 to 2011, he made the All-Star team every year but two times. So, yeah. Uh, A-Rod's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he had eight straight. He had eight year, eight out of ten years, he had 40 or more home runs. And, and the two years he didn't, he had 36 and 35. Right. So, basically just an absolute powerhouse. And from shortstop, like, we hadn't seen that kind of power. You know, Nomar was, what, 25 home runs, and he was looked at as a power hitter from shortstop. Right. And Jeter, you know, the, the big big shortstops were Tejada, Nomar, Jeter, A-Rod. Um, those are the, the big four, big five when we were playing. And then there's other guys like Renteria was, was thought of to be high up on that list. But, uh, I mean, A-Rod was far and away one of the best players in the last, you know, 25 years let alone all time tell you what dave we uh we might have to kick our vote from joe nathan (laughs) uh anyway scott Rowland is next uh if you look at the jaws numbers scott Rowland is a hall of famer he's on par with paul molitor brooks robinson uh in that hall of fame discussion he's well he's above the average mark for a third baseman hall of famer and you know you look at his numbers and i (coughs) excuse me wasn't a particularly remarkable player, in, in my opinion. Uh, literally no bold ink on his page. Uh, he was Rookie of the Year in 97 with the Phillies. He's a seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, Silver Slugger winner. I mean, I feel like you have to vote him in because he was so consistent. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what do you think? It's a tough case. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the player, you think he's an MVP caliber player. So when you think he's a Hall of Famer, potentially, doesn't mean he is. But there's just like, there's nothing that really like stands out in his career. And like, the thing that does stand out, like you said, is consistency. Like, that's impressive that he posts pretty much the same year every year for 20 years or 15 years. But I don't know. It's, it's real tough. When you see the numbers like, you know, that Manny posts and that Bonds posted. I mean, Bonds is a freak, so we can't count him. But that Manny posts and you see some of the other guys on the list, you know, you see. Even Justin Morneau is really the one that jumps out is really bad. But um, David Ortiz and, you know, even Andrew Jones, like Andrew Jones's numbers were better than were better than Scott Rowland. Yeah. So it's like it's a question of how much do you value I guess defense, but Andrew Jones was great defensively too. So yeah, Scott Rowland's defensive war really helps his case. Uh, it's twenty one point two, which is what was that compared to Jones? Uh, I don't remember. I don't have his page up in front of me, but hey, Greg oh, Nettles has a better D war, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, Longoria is higher on this list than I thought he would be, but he still has a little bit of ways to go before he qualifies, um, or at least gets near that average Hall of Famer mark. I don't know, man. The only person, the only non-active player higher than Roland on this list is Adrian Beltre, and he will waltz into the Hall of Fame when he's eligible. Um, man, what a player he is. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have the all-star numbers, but he's six top ten finishes. Uh, Roland only had one top five MVP finish and one top ten. Really, it's the defense that, that you value with Roland. And, I mean. What's, uh, what was his uh, defensive war? Roland? Yeah. 21.2. Yeah, Andrew Jones was 24.4. Damn. 
and we didn't vote for Jones. Yeah, so I, I have to be no on Rowan to stay consistent. Okay. okay. We'll we'll be a no on Rowan. I think if, he, if we have an extra vote to spare at the end, I'm going to give it to Andrew Jones. Well, let's put it this way. Roland's not falling off the ballot next year. so. No, if, yeah. And it doesn't mean he won't get in when there's maybe right. a weaker class coming up. Like next year when there's hopeful – I mean, Bonds and Clemens will be gone anyway, but hopefully they're in the Hall of Fame. But when there's no Bonds, Clemens, Helton, Poppy, Manny, A-Rod – well, a- Manny will probably still be there. But if A-Rod's gone, like, then yeah. Um, as much as it pains me to move past this guy fast, Jimmy Rollins is not a Hall of Famer. I no, lo- he's not. And I love Jimmy Rollins, but don't get me wrong. Um, before we move on from Jimmy Rollins, I just want to read you really quickly, Dave, his MVP year in 2007. Ready? Are you ready for these numbers? I'm sure you've seen them before, but are you ready? Yeah. 139 runs scored, led the league, 212 hits, 38 doubles, 20 triples, he led the league, 30 homers, a 296, 344, 531 slash, 875 OPS. MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. Somehow did not make the All-Star game. But uh, 30, 20, and 30. That is the only the second time that's ever happened in MLB history. And I remember that year. That a he started game. out fast, too, so there was yeah. no excuse not to make the All-Star game. Right. I'm sure there was some other scrub that was more worthy. Um, that being said, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, all right, Dave. Kurt Schilling gets my vote. See, this is another one where... But he doesn't want you to vote for him. Yeah, he doesn't want us to vote for him. It's all of our fault. It's all our fault. Right. Um, but I think I think some of the issues with baseball Hall of Fame voters more than any other sport is it becomes like a, like a popularity contest almost, right. and it becomes like how did you treat writers? And I get that most of these guys didn't treat writers respectfully, but this isn't the Hall of Moral Character, and it's not the Hall of like Good, and it's not the Hall of what did you do outside of baseball? It's the whole of what did you do between the diamonds? Right. And Kurt Schilling was an elite picture, pitcher for years, including some of the most amazing postseason moments that we've seen in the last, like, 50 years. And I think it's ridiculous to leave him out. I think at this point, he's got to be in. He's got the numbers to back it up. He's got the World Series title. He's got the clutch moments. He's got the, you know... He's got everything. He's got strikeouts. He's got innings. He's got all the advanced metrics. He's got the like the original stats. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling is as reprehensible as they come, as a person. That's my opinion. Um, but there is no denying that he is one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. And in the regular season, he had some pretty damn good performances too. So, yeah, that's that's our. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth name that we've checked off Dave. So we have two more names that we could check off and we have I think we might be okay. I think we might be as well. I think I think the real question is these next two. So, we'll start with Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield, uh fun fact, only member of the 500 home run club who was traded at least 5 times in his career, which is something I feel like you don't see very often. 9-time All-Star, won the World Series with the Marlins, 5-time Silver Slugger, won a batting title. Um he one two three four five six seven nine, yeah. You know he had a three back to back all star seasons. He had one two three four five six top ten MVP finishes. This is a very curious case to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I was kind of looking at it because I know a lot of people have had him in and some have had him out. His home runs were kind of 
booming towards the end of his career, toward, in the 30s. Yeah. Um, because he only had two seasons with 30 or more until he turned 30, and then all of a sudden it was, like, every year. Uh, and the RBIs, too. Like, he only had two seasons of 100 RBIs until he turned 30 years old, and then it was, you know, seven out of eight years or six out of seven years. Yeah. It's a really weird... Right. It's sort of like Jeff Kent. A little bit. I mean... I mean, better numbers, obviously. And a longer career. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But Sheffield played for eight teams, and that's not something you – he had 120 home runs for both the Marlins and the Dodgers, which is pretty impressive, um, especially the Marlins part. That's not really a great – when he was playing there, it was still – I know they won a World Series, but they were still actively trying to tear that team apart. Um, and the, the crazy thing is he had 120 for each of those teams – he had seven more with the Dodgers in two fewer years. Yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a decent hitter. He had some pretty good years. I was like, I said, I won a batting title at 330 in 1992 with the Padres, which is not something that a lot of people really remember. Uh, led the in OPS once, on base once. But you know what? In the late 90s, there were some other guys who were preoccupied with leading the league in those categories. Um, I'm leaning no. Yeah, I would lean down yeah. on this. I think if he had done, like, if his 30s were his, the start of his career and he had, like, maybe two more years on tacked on long of that, yeah. I think he's probably in. Yeah. But I just don't think the seven years or whatever in the 30s is enough to make up for just really average production the first 10 years of his career. All right, Dave, next up, the Sosa. Sammy Sosa, who is... Also in his last year on the ballot, and uh, I'll tell you what, I am leaning towards voting for him. Won an MVP. I, f- I feel like yeah. I feel like we have to. It's you know if we're if you're voting for, you know Bonds, Clemens, those guys. I mean, he now talk about a guy who was sort of like Jeff Kent. Like he didn't make his first All Star team until he was twenty six. He been been in the league since he was twenty. He was with the Rangers and then with the White Sox, and then finally his fourth year with the Cubs was when he hit his stride. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He had 33 home runs with the White Sox in 93, and then 36, 40, 36, 66, 63, 50, 64, 49, 40, 35 for the Cubs. That is, what, 10 straight years of at least 30 home runs? 66 home runs in uh, 1998, won the MVP that year. Um, yeah. Uh, to me... It's a matter of being consistent, so I think we have to vote for Sammy Sosa. If we're voting for Bonds, we've got to vote for Sosa. Yeah. So Sosa, congratulations. He's got 600 home runs. Yeah, it's not a bad mark to have. It's not bad. That's not, it's not a bad little thing to have in your pocket. It really isn't. Uh, mark Teixeira. That's a swift no for me. Um, and we got one more spot, right? We do. We have three guys, one more spot. I'm pretty sure I know who that spot's going to. Um, I have an idea of who it's not going to. That'd be Mark Teixeira. That'd be Mark Teixeira. Let me tell you what. Most likely, Let me tell I you what. I will be kind to Mark Teixeira and say he is maybe the best switch hitter of his generation. That does not equate he, him with being a Hall of Famer. It's really weird seeing, like, he was really good as a hitter, but to see him as a 268 career hitter is really, like, staggering. Interesting, yeah. It's, it's very low. Yeah. 
And like batting average isn't the end all be all. It's very interesting to look at. I still, I, I think still. Um, but he was a really good slugger from both sides of the plate. Still pretty good as a righty, but obviously more dominant as a lefty. Uh, pretty good first baseman from what I remember. Um, Very good, yeah. Won a World Series of the Yankees. Had a really good year. I think he was second or third in the MVP voting with the Yankees one year. Um, let me look up his numbers. Sorry, I'm in front of me. Uh, did he had, uh, came in second his first yeah. year in New York. Second, yeah, the first year he was there when he won the World Series. He was 39-122, hit two ninety two, which is pretty good for him. Um, really, those last few years torpedoed his average. 251, 216, 255, 204. Um, those last few years torpedoed his chances, too. Exactly, yeah. Five-time gold glover, that's that's good. Three-time all-star is just not enough. Um, yeah, good player, just not a Hall of Famer. So, All very good. Right. Here's my hot take on the next guy, Dave. Omar Vizquel. Another reprehensible, despicable human being. Um, even before all the information came out about him, and I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to cause any triggers or anything, so I'm not going to really describe it or go into detail about it uh, for anybody listening. But I think his Hall of Fame case was bad before that. Honestly, I don't think he was a Hall of Famer to begin with. I personally like he was amazing defensively. Right. But, like, he brings nothing else to the table. No, absolutely nothing else to the table. Not a good hitter, not a good slugger. I mean, I was not, I mean, not looking for him to be a slugger, but he wasn't a good hitter. Really didn't do anything well other than play defense. And, yes, he was amazing at that, but not, but like, not enough for me. You don't get into the Hall of Fame for just one thing and, like, no. mediocre to average to below average everything else. No, not really. Like, no. We don't let Jason Capono in the NBA Hall of Fame. I'm actually surprised he's not in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Because everybody in. gets in the basketball hall of fame, you and I but might be in it, that. It's but it's like AJ Prezinski was one of the best hitting catchers. He's not in the hall of fame. <laughs> not even close. Not even sniffing and, it. Like the last fifteen years, he's still one of the best hitting catchers. And Mark Deshera was the best hitting uh, switch hitting first baseman. He's not in the hall of fame. And it's like I don't understand why people feel like they need to vote for this guy. Great defensively, but like these numbers are just awful. He, yeah. he only has two. He only has three years with sixty or more RBIs. He has he has one double digit home run season. Again, has, like I wasn't like looking for him to be a slugger. Like I don't think anybody was expecting that. But he has four thirty double seasons. He doesn't even have gap power. No, I mean again, look at his numbers. All the things are Gold Gloves. He never really made any all. He made three All Star teams. Um, yeah, he was just never really that impressive. He was at, great going for sacrifice hits. He was an all-timer. Look at that. Four years leading the league in sacrifice hits. Good Lord. Just an absolute juggernaut. Career OPS plus of 82. That's, that's horrible. That's very bad. Yeah, that's very bad. So, no thanks. Well, Dave, people can do math at home. We have one vote left to give, and there is one player left on the ballot, and that is Billy Wagner. And if we voted for Joe Nathan, we're voting for Billy Wagner. This guy's peak was so dominant. It's just insane. Maybe the most underrated closer of all time. Like, people just do not give him respect. That 1999 season was something else. Yeah, I mean, uh, also, we should we, we would be remiss to not say uh, Red Sox legend, Billy Wagner. Remember when they don't want to do that trade because they don't want to take on the money? Yeah, I know. 
One, he, he was one and one here with a one nine eight ERA. That's stud stuff right there. Thirteen. They couldn't pitch in back to back days though. That's that's not great. Um, career WHIP below one. That's very good. Uh, career FIP of two seven three two three one career ERA. Um, like you said, ninety nine was a remarkable year for him. Fourth in Cy Young voting, which is uh, for a closer, really good. Uh, only a handful of closers have ever won the Cy Young. Eric Gagne, which will not mention his name again. Uh, Dennis Eckersley did it. Raleigh Fingers won the MVP in the strike season of 81 as a closer. Um, but it's not something that happens very often. And to get as close as, as Billy Wagner did, that's that's very impressive. And then he's had, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He was an all-star with Atlanta his last year when he was 38 years old. Close 37 games for them in 2010 at 37. Struck out over 100 guys. That's pretty damn impressive. He was just a very consistently great closer, and he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and then in seasons where he pitched at least 30 games, he never had an ERA above three. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's uh, that's something. I'd say that's pretty solid. Strike, Strikeout-to-walk ratio, again, in seasons where he pitched 30 more games, was always at least two. Um, so Billy Wagner, welcome to Cooperstown, if Dave and I have anything to say about it. So Dave, our Hall of Fame ballot has been filled out. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Joe Nathan, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa, and Billy Wagner. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys. We did it. We used all of our votes. The question then becomes, who is at number 11? Scott, I think Scott Rowland's number 11. It's either Rowan either or Jones, I think. I was going to say, it's Andrew Jones for me. Yeah. And thank God, I don't think either guy's fallen off the ballot, so I think next year when we do this again, we'll actually, I think, we'll pretty much have to give him a vote from the start. Because I think next year's ballot, I'm not sure what it looks like, but I think it's a little bit weaker than this one. Let's see. Maybe they might have it up here. I think they usually do. Yeah, so we go, oh man, yeah, these are these are rough names. Hold on, let me, let me, pull, it, let me pull it up. 65 people on here. 2022, 2023. There we go. Um, Let's just whew. go by first year on the ballot. Yeah, first year on the ballot. Let's see. You got Jason Worth, Jared Weaver. <laughs> Some of these names. Jason Grilly. Who's throwing Chad Qualls a vote? Dude, Glenn Perkins, though. Glenn Perkins. Uh, Frank, let's look at the, the, the not rejects for a second. Um, Francisco Rodriguez. That's an interesting name. Um, dude, what the hell? Ryan Vogelsong got a vote. Yeah, let's not even let's let's. Matt not. Thornton, Juan Uribe, they have second years on the ballot. How is that possible? Well, I think that that's yeah. I don't know why they do. I think that might be just how it is right now. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that can't be. That can't be legitimate. Um, but I think the the only legit chance at a first ballot Hall of Famer next year is probably Carlos Beltran. Yeah, I don't see. Honestly, I don't see a lot of Hall of Fame. Maybe Francisco world. Rodriguez, but I doubt it. Even in like if they were on the ballot a while, I don't. I don't see a lot of Hall of Famers in this group. No, no. You're talking probably Beltran, Francisco Rodriguez will get a lot of votes probably. Um, but next year is a big year for guys like Sheffield, who is his last year on the ballots next year. So Sheffield, you might see a big push for next year. Let's remember that next year. Give him his vote. <laughs> um. I mean, the best, it looked by Jaws rankings, the best first ballot guy next year is John Lackey. 
then he is not gonna. Actually, it. other than Carlos Beltran, I should yeah, say. he ain't. He ain't. I only John Like ain't sniffing the Hall of Fame. Um, but anyway, that's our ballot for twenty twenty two. You know, I think that the BBWAA will accept it. We'll try. We'll beg them. Probably not. They don't seem like they love new members of the club. <laughs> At least guys who aren't officially in the club. We're not crotchety, so I don't think we'd get it. That's a good point. Um, well, follow us at CSL Podcast on Twitter. Go check out at Not Mr. Tibbs and the Baseball Hall of Fame Tracker. They do unbelievable work over there. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.